I'm Mallory Rubin. And I'm Van Lathan. Check out the Ringerverse podcast from The Ringer for all things superhero movies, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment. We have instant reviews and fun takes on all the latest news and more available now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Hello and welcome back to the Stadia podcast in the Ring RC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I am all right, thanks Musa. How are you? I am very well indeed. How's the uh, how's the UK? The UK is lovely. Oh, I met a Stadio listener the other day. I was in a cafe. Another one? Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Seth over in East London in Shoreditch. I was in a cafe having myself an English breakfast. And Seth wandered up and said hello. So if you're listening, Seth, Arsenal fan, thank you so much. That was lovely to speak to you. Hi, Seth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You always meet the Stadio listeners. I do, I do. Because I'm out in the wild. You're not, in that, you're not out in the wild. So, you know. <laughs> I bump into God. you in the podcast, wild. Podcasts don't make themselves. Give a shout out. Exactly. <laughs> podcasts don't make themselves. I'm a podcaster at large. Let's do some admin. Hope everyone stays safe. Well. So getting vaccinated if you can, getting that boost if you can. Right, his house went up on Wednesday. Just Ian and myself, we talked about the Crystal Palace Arsenal game. Gave flowers to Chloe Kelly and Calvin Phillips on their return from injury and some other bits as well. That's up on the Ringer FC feed now. Yeah, if you do listen to us on a podcast app that allows you to rate and review, please do so. Be very kind if you can. Obviously, if it's a nice one, if it's if you really hate us. Well, actually, if you really hate us, why are you still listening? <laughs> Sickos, sickos. <laughs> uh, second of all, if you if you have any 
problems just at Okwonga on Twitter is. Yes. <laughs> Do you know what happened Wednesday night, Musa? What happened on Wednesday night? We got him. <laughs> we got them all on Twitter, Musa. We got them all. Oh my God, that was the ultimate fish. So I cast out a We'll tweet. talk about this later. No, no, we'll no, no, no. We'll no. This needs to wait. This needs to oh, wait. We got them good, didn't we? We got them good. We got them good. And they thought... <laughs> they thought they knew what this was. They thought they knew what this was. They didn't know. Oh dear. Stanley Wachos plays on Spotify. Search for search for Stanley Wachos. All the music we play on each episode. Hopefully, we should be adding a few more labels to the stable soon. Very excited about. It's as long as they say yes. If they say no, then. Wah. Yeah. It is anyway. It is. Yeah. Uh, all right. So today we're going to talk about the Champions League. We are. And then we're going to talk about a couple of. Just a very, very briefly, a couple of Premier League things at the end. So let's get on to it after this. Let's do it. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Right, man, we have to begin at Stamford Bridge, I think. We do. Chelsea won Real Madrid 3-3 in the first leg of this quarterfinal. Thomas Tuchel, after the game, when he was asked by Des Kelly about the second leg, and he just said, no, 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 I'm focused on Southampton. Southampton is first. We need to process this first and I need to make sure that they process this and then we need to focus on Southampton because if we play like this at the Bernabeu, we're going to get hammered. Yikes. Now, interestingly, I thought Chelsea started very bright. First few minutes, I thought there was a clear gap between how intense they were, how seemingly on the pace they were. Mm. Chelsea really seemed to be like, okay, they're creating, they get, they've got a lot of the ball. You can see that and from Modric's positioning because Modric was not going on a holiday. When Modric, you talk about gallivanting, <laughs> when Modric sniffs weakness, he starts gallivanting higher up the pitch. We'll put it this way. When, you know when Vinicius hit the bar? Yeah. What was that after seven minutes? Quite, it was early. It was early. When that happened, I thought, that's a moment. That's how good Chelsea had looked in those very, very, right. very early stages. Yeah. But then it kind of didn't really matter. I didn't like the midfield balance for Chelsea. We've seen Kovacic breaking the press all season. And we've also seen that he's really pugnacious at close quarters. Kante Kovacic feels like the best choice midfield too. And also as well, this is the thing. The choice of Azpilicueta on the left over Alonso is a terrible indictment for Alonso, I think. That's a terrible indictment because that makes you naturally narrower. It takes away that brilliant combination of Azpilicueta and Reese James that you see on the right side. Like it reduces so many things. And I think, you know, Alonso, I've mentioned this before, the Ben Chilwell injury, but the knock-on effect is having to play Alonso more regularly. And that brings Chelsea down in attacking sense. So they were immediately inhibited, I thought, in wide areas. And over time, Real were going to exploit that. And what was really bold from Real Madrid, Ancelotti doesn't always get tactical credits. We have to give credit here, I think. He used Fede Valverde in a front three to press out the pitch. And that was a really great tactical choice. You know, we've seen him use different players there before. Bale was on the bench. It's a bit of a problem position for them. It is. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely the wing. The other wing. That's why loads of people there, they've tried um, 
obviously Asensio, Asensio hasn't yeah. really worked. Hazard for various reasons hasn't worked. Um, Bale was brilliant for Wales, but is on the bench. I don't know if that was a political choice, but Bale's clearly in Mariano form. up there as well. Yeah, he's, in, he's in form. Yeah. Um, Rodrigo. Rodrigo as well. Yeah, yeah. So, but Valverde, it's so funny. He's giving them just the, it sounds unfair and reductive to say energy, but that's what he gives you. He gives you like intelligent energy, intelligent pressing. A bit like uh, intelligent energy, you say. Oh. <laughs> yes. He gives you pressing of the highest order. So that combination um, in the front three, I think it took the pressure off Kroos as well. It allowed Kroos to yeah. play his game and play within himself because he could then have a moment extra on the board. And if Kroos gets that, then it's a different story. And it's interesting how you went with the old school midfield three, Casemiro, Kroos and Modric tried and tested. Mm. You know, as you use, the, you know, you use the, um, what's that quote you always use? Keep it dead effing boring. He kept it dead boring, actually. Yeah, I think that's fair. The thing about Real Madrid is that results-wise, they've been on a pretty decent run of form. There have been a couple of moments when they've just not looked particularly great and they've really switched it on in Champions League, like the second leg against PSG, obviously. But even that first leg, I know that they were massively outplayed, but they, as we've mentioned before, they hung in the game, they hung in the tie. And that was the really important thing for them at that point. Yeah. In this, they were just super efficient when they broke. I mean, if you look at the position that Benzema is in, my friend Ed Kilbert sent me a screenshot of this and I put it in the Wrights House group as well. As Vinicius releases the ball, where Benzema is on the pitch from like the overhead camp, it's <laughs> how that ends up in the back of the net is wild. Right. Like it's wild. And then, what, two and a half minutes later, the second header, lovely ball in from Modric, that header... It's unbelievable. I, it's I unbelievable. Stop watching it. I couldn't actually. I kind of like froze. I kept re-watching it on a loop because it is such a. It is such an elite header. It's technically perfect. Everything about that. That is like elements of ballet, Pilates, long jump. Like the athleticism of that. That's like a layup. It's like a. It's like a layup in traffic in basketball. It's like it's such a. Because you know the athleticism. It's you know it is what's amazing about that goal. It's, it's more like a floater. It's the con- yes. Oh yes, even better. What's amazing about it is the contrast in the physicality it takes to position yourself and the softness of touch. Like your body is rigid. Most people that go up like that, that hang like that, their body is so rigid they just like they spoon that over the bar, right? They just plank it over the mm. bar. To have the softness like with your neck muscles and everything, to angle that back across the keeper. And a keeper, this is not, this is no clown. This is Mendy. This is someone who is on their toes almost all the time, with the exception of the second half, which we'll come to. On their toes almost all the time and anticipating what you're going to put with that. But that's someone who's ready to like go to any corner, high or low at any moment. And to outthink him in the air and to outangle him like that, that is... That is one of the best headers you're going to see in the knockout stages. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Unreal. Genuinely unbelievable. Yeah. Um, Obviously, Chelsea had their chances after Kai Harvard's got them back in the game with a a header of his own. Um, That was a lovely header as well. It was a, it was a quite a brave header actually because Danny Carvajal had his foot up. Paul yeah. Dan, I, I, <clears throat> I was absolutely convinced that Danny Carvajal was going to go through a third consecutive Champions League game by t- getting taken off. At they just couldn't do it. They couldn't do it to him, <laughs> could they? <laughs> <laughs> uh, did he get taken off in the first leg against PSG? No, he didn't. He came off later, but still. Came off like, later, yeah, yeah. Having three very high profile 
not three high profile, but three retirements, three difficult, retirements. difficult games. Retirements, shall we say, yeah. Three mechanical failures in a row. Yes, yes. <laughs> but he stayed on the pitch for the rest of the game. And I think the inclusion of Aspilicueta as the, as the left-sided wing-back for Chelsea meant that Carvajal was actually more comfortable in those positions than he has been, than yeah. he was in the, in, the, in the PSG tie. Much more so, much more so. His problem came in an area where, to be honest, he probably shouldn't have been the one marking Harberts there. That should have been... Yeah, for right back is that far inside, something's yeah. gone wrong with the centre-defensive pairings. Like, yeah. yeah, something's gone wrong. Tuchel clearly knew that he'd, not necessarily maybe, like you said, got the got the selection wrong. Kovacic came on for Christensen, Ziyech came on for Kante at halftime. Yeah, yeah. Then a minute later... Well, less than a minute later, a combination of Mondi and Rudiger gifted Benzema his hatch, his third, Real Madrid's third, and this must be so frustrating as a manager when you make two changes at halftime and then an unforced error happens literally within seconds, and it's kind of like, well, these changes were essentially pointless now. Yeah. Do you think the selection cost Chelsea? You know, statistically, mm. they were all right. I feel like invited pressure, though. I feel it. I feel. Maybe I'm being revisionist, but I never, I never feel comfortable when I see the Jorginho Kante axis. I don't, in, the, in these games, when, when teams are pressing with that aggression, I just feel like Kante Kovacic, like the way Kovacic was playing out, you saw it in the second half. I just, I just love him there as a physical presence. I think that Kante did not have his best game either. That's fair to say, I think. Um, so a couple of... The passing was not things. sharp. There were just, there were a couple of times I was just like, nothing, 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 um, Nothing huge. It wasn't like he was like slicing passes into touch. It was more like the Kante, the peak Kante playing the ball into those spaces. Like, you know, as a playmaker, when Kante's on, playing the ball into the final third with greater urgency, and instead he kept going square. And I was like, you're not, you're not hitting that pass. You're not really hurting the opposition. Like, but you saw the contrast at Sadio Mane. Sadio Mane releasing Mo Salah against Benfica. That sort of front foot pass into space and Kante had that a few times out on the right flank and he didn't choose the option mm. and maybe that's what it was about because Jorginho is you know not my favourite player I think in, in games like this but he did have a better control of tempo than Kante did and also positioning um, I just think that Kante Kovacic is a better pairing uh, and to be honest they've got to be disappointed with allowing I know Benzema's elite in the air but you also you can't invite that pressure Right, like I know he got two superb headers, but those he headers, space. They sh- right? Thank you. They should have been better contested. Like I think it's easy to get caught up in the Benzema hat trick, which was amazing. Don't get me wrong, but also the defending for those. And this is why Tuchel will be rightly angry. Like the defending for those was was subpar. It was utterly subpar. Before we move on to defending, because there's something I wanted to talk about. Mm. Do you think Chelsea could have come out of this with a draw? Because, for example, Aspilicueta had that unbelievable shot in the second half. Yes. That. Uh, Courtois made an absolutely unbelievable save on. Romelu Lukaku should have hit the target. I mean, he should have, they should have scored. Let's be frank. Let's well, yeah, be frank. But, he, yeah. but you know. Should have hit the got, target. Got yeah. a walk before you can run. No, that's true. I mean, the thing, about, the Lukaku miss is going to be huge because he missed that with 20 minutes to go, Ryan. Or yeah, 20, that's, 20. that's a different game. There was plenty of time. But also, and, even if Chelsea don't get another one, going to the Bernabeu only, with only a goal in it is a completely different thing. Yes, yes. Like, you saw how much PSG struggled at the Bernabeu or how quickly they can, it can shift for yes. Real Madrid at home, especially in the Champions League. You know, we, I posted that tweet that was very, that was like, in the knockout stages, Real Madrid are very much kind of like, you know, 
you merely adopted the Champions League. We were born in it, molded in it. Kind yeah, of because, brilliant. No, so true. Yeah. You know, we, we thought this wasn't a vintage and I don't think it is a vintage Real Madrid side no. this season. But then again, but neither, the, neither, neither arguably were the, were the, was one of the one three in a row. It was true, with the exactly. exception. With the but exception. they can switch it on. They switch it yeah. on. They have this almost like, yeah. it's like everyone's attributes goes up 10% when they play Champions League. Yeah. I mean, even a couple of Real Madrid fans on Twitter were replying to some stuff we were saying about it. You know, saying that it is, it is the one that everyone gets up for because of the history. Obviously, they won the first batch of European yeah. Cups, etc. It's like Frank Sinatra singing Las Vegas, right? It just is. It just, it's just, it's yeah. just going to be a vibe. Like there's no, and the thing about this, the thing about Chelsea is the, the Lukaku miss, the awful thing about this is this is what he was, he was signed to score yeah. that goal in that game. And that was, it's, that, he was signed with that kind of game, that kind of goal in mind. And after that miss, I don't know if it's fair. The the quality that same quality of chance didn't come again. No, it was almost like that kind. Of, yeah, there's people know players know they're kind of like ah, oh, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. It felt um, like that. It felt like that. But to be honest, Benzema should have had his hat trick wrapped up as well in the first half. He missed that absolute. He missed probably the easiest chance he had in the first half. Some made a good observation that when he's drawing his foot back, Jorginho gets a touch on him. Ah. Yes, because it was. I was like, it doesn't make sense. Like he's locked no, in because he kind of like sliced it. He opened up his body a little bit too much. Right, right. And he, the thing about Benzema, I will say this as well. Like there was talk about, um, oh, he's always been this good. No, he hasn't actually. Like Benzema's finishing has improved. Benzema used to be a streaky finisher. This mm. was the thing. He was. He had. You know, I've been watching Benzema for a long time, as we all have. And when he signed from Leon, I was really worried for him because he was brilliant at Leon. but I remember thinking, this is two seasons too early, right? This is two seasons too early for this move. And he's had his off the field issues. Those are well documented. But as a footballer, really the thing that Benzema was always missing for me was the absolute locked in, like Lewandowski level finishing. He now has that. He now has that. Like, and that is a thing that I would say the last two years I've noticed more and more because he's not streaky anymore. Like Benzema gets a chance and you're like, it's done. It's done. So when he missed that chance, actually, in the first half, I was like, something had to be wrong. So I actually spent a bit more time like rewatching it. And I think they were saying it was, and it wasn't a deliberate touch by Jorginho or, well, it was an interference, shall we say. It was an interference. It was, but the thing, I was too distracted by Luka Modric's little hop, skip and a jump in despair as he was <laughs> following him into the <laughs> box. <laughs> yeah, the Benzema thing's interesting. It reminds me a lot of when NBA teams make a trade mm. and then, one of the existing roster just absolutely comes alive because mm. they get to run the offense. Yeah. You're seeing real parallels with Lewandowski, I think, in the, in the sense that both have got better as they've got into their 30s. Yes. I think Lewandowski's base level was probably more consistent during his 20s. Yes, yes, yes. Even, even at Dortmund, yeah, my God. Yeah, yeah both of them have, have seemed to improve in terms of their... I'd have to check like the shot conversion and stuff like that, but, but they seem to, you know, anecdotally or eye test-wise or vibe-wise, they seem to have mm. become more and more locked in as their p- careers have progressed. But also there's like a a real maturity there mm. that nothing gets wasted really. Rarely do you see waste. Yes, I love that. I, that's exactly what I was going to use, efficiency. Efficiency. Like- but I think a lot of that came from Real Madrid as soon as Cristiano Ronaldo there because he absorbs, you know, he is like a, he's a black hole footballer. He just mm. absorbs all the energy focus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Benzema is a little bit less. So I think Benzema is a little bit more reflective. Mm. Like, you know, he's more of a moon. (laughs) Yes. Yes. A moon knight. Yes. 
So yeah, oh, it's, yes, I hello, see, uh, jog on, mm. please jog on. Oh, hi, oh. mum. I'm not sure if mum's actually on the end of the phone or not, but oh no, <laughs> uh, that's going to make no sense at all. They're not watching the show, but that's let's. Yeah, listen. well, I, I I did have to explain the Dark Knight reference to someone yesterday. It was a Chelsea fan who took real, real offence to my reference. I was like, it wasn't mean. Here's what happened. Here's what I mean by it. You know, everyone. And, and then l- there was a lovely little dialogue happened and everyone walked away happy. It was quite a nice Twitter interaction. And then actually. he said, this amazed me. He says, oh, pardon. Like I've had a bit to drink. And he said the expression, I'm a bit in my cups. Which is you loved it. The greatest. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. So I'm we were talking about Chelsea's yeah. defence. Yes. This is a real worry for Tuchel at this stage of the season. This is not a habit that you want to be developing at this point of the season. As many goals in the last two games as they conceded in their previous 14. It's too easy to get at them. And this was the it thing is. he fixed at Chelsea mm. when he came in. Chelsea were almost, unless you were West Brom, yes, yes, impossible that's true. to break down. They've lost that air of invincibility in the last couple of games. Conceding seven at home in two games. I mean, this isn't exactly any wild tactical analysis, but that, that is not, that is just not good. Well, it does mean that Brentford are better than Real Madrid. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> My goodness. Listen, let them come for me. They can't find me. <laughs> Anything else you want to touch on from this game? I would say no further notes on this. Just classic Real Madrid, I suppose. And good luck, Chelsea, in that second leg, because frankly, they're going to need it. Also, one more thing. What happened to Carlo? Did you see that little, like, I think I, I think the ball hit him or something on the touchline and he, like, he was, like, leant over and the, the fourth official had to come and check if he was all right. I was just like, God damn it, don't, no. What's happening to Carlo? He's probably checking the Everton score. Just, like, pulling his phone out quickly. So being like, what? They, they did what? During the Chelsea-Real Madrid game, yes. Carlo tweets from his official Twitter account, and they cooked me. <laughs> they cooked me. <laughs> oh, dear. Do you want to touch on the Villarreal Bayern game before we move on to Chelsea's Absolutely. games? Absolutely. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Talk about the, the Villarreal should have put this out of sight. How can they have a disappointing 1-0 win over Bayern Munich? Also, though, talk about someone who turns it on for the Champions League or Europe in general. They've been such a curi- like such yeah. a confusing side in the league over the last couple of seasons under Emery. Yeah. Probably underachieving in the league, actually, if I'm being honest. Yellow submarine in Europe and egg yolk in La Liga. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, they think they they do have a little bit of Champions League pedigree. Got to the was it semis in 06. Um, yeah, they and they, they massively overperform in Europe. I mean, they massively overperform to be honest. Anyway, for a club that's yeah, they do absolutely. And this is the thing: it all works for them. It all works for them in Etienne Capoue, superb. But just just in general, I love it when you see players just kind of almost reborn in a football sense. Loves the town, loves the club, loves the vibe. Obviously, there's someone who's just locked in in all senses. That's a that's a happy footballer. 33 years old and absolutely found his spot. And, you know, there's maybe a criticism of Bayern's approach using the access of Kimmich and Musiala. We've seen this before. Mm, didn't think that. I didn't like We've seen that. it before. They used Musiala like that against, I think it was Leipzig, um, was it last season when they had him running at the press. I think obviously the idea was Villarreal have a hard pressing midfield, so put Musiala at the base of midfield and just run at you and break through the gaps. It didn't work. It didn't work because Villarreal are smarter they're, they're about as canny a midfield as you can get in this tournament like they'd match up well to be honest those those three against Real Madrid's three mm. they'd match up well against them and so what that meant was that the pressure 
and the Celso was brilliant. You know, the pressure that Villarreal applied was just overwhelming. And Bayern, this is the classic example of, we said before, it's not a vintage Bundesliga season. I think it's getting, they, it's they, getting better now. It the is, stadiums are falling, the ultras are back. But they, they got caught cold. They got caught cold. Like if you look at La Liga recently, recent weeks, it's been hot. Like every team has been coming with a different level of fire. Barcelona are resurgent. So La Liga is a much better proven ground preparation for the Champions League. And Bayern just looked unbelievably sluggish. Mm. Like just unbelievable. I mean, I don't know if it's even, they've lost a bit of intensity because the league is fundamentally theirs. And I'm not saying they consciously slacked off. It wasn't that, it's just that Villarreal basically were like, they came out at them with such force that this should have been 3-0. I mean, the second goal in particular being disallowed, um, the floating cross for the offside. I mean, that's frustrating because you shouldn't be offside in that position. Oh, Francis Cochran is just so not used to making that run. I know, but you shouldn't. <laughs> it was frustrating because you see it. I feel like if they got a second goal fairly soon, they would have got a third. I agree. Yeah. I just, yeah, the, yeah, the, I the also, way. I agree. Oh, it's, it's such a shame that, that Cochran goal didn't stand because his celebration was great. Tapping the watch, giving it the, I'm not sure what it meant, but it was tapping the watch, putting his watch to his ear. But like, they've got a couple of strange celebrations. The first one, a sort of crane celebration with the hand. I'm not sure what that is. I don't know, man. Yeah, I didn't look it up because I'm too old. To, I'm too old to research. I, I really enjoyed the, the just the the pinball nature of that first goal. Actually, yeah, 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 yeah. It was a very Raúl finish, actually, very Raúl Gonzalez type finish. I thought because it was a uh, was it Gerard Moreno had the shot and then it oh no it was Danny Parejo. It was like his shot. It wasn't a pass. It was a shot that Dan Juma just kind of deflected in. And it was, it was brilliant because Dan Juma watches it onto his boot. Mm. That's why I love it. It's a very sort of Robbie Fowler style. Very sort of nineties finish, um, but there was also I think was it Gerardo Marino had the him or Parejo had the one that when Neuer clears it straight to him. It was Moreno, yeah. Moreno, and he curves. Moreno had a couple of superb efforts, and he has the open goal from like sixty yards out, and he he hits it with it's fade. He hits it with fade, doesn't it? And the ball actually goes across the entire face of the goal before going out. And I'm like, they're going to look at this moment. This has, because this, unfortunately, this has 1-0 to Bayern after six minutes at the Allianz written all over it, potentially. They've got to really... They're, they're oh, going to they're, they're get the Red Bull Salzburg treatment. Well, but if you think about it, that will be two ties in the knockout stages that Bayern have got away with it in the first leg. Because mm. before they got that equaliser in Salzburg, they should have been 2-0 down. Yes, easily. And... Here they should have been out. Uh, Villarreal should have been out of sight, really. Because well, I, think, is, I genuinely yeah. think this is one of the worst Bayern performances I've seen, especially that first hour. I think until they started making changes and they brought on Goretzka and Sané, they were extremely poor. It's one of the worst performances since Rebel Salzburg. <laughs> um, you know, and this is the thing. What I'm saying is, people are playing. They're playing the occasion. They're not playing Bayern. They're playing the idea of Bayern and not Bayern. I disagree there because I don't think Villarreal... The finishing. Yeah, but you don't play a side on the finishing. You play a side on the performance. I think Villarreal, like, I don't think they played Bayern Munich as an entity. They just played who was in front of them. They were just wasteful. The finishing that was, was yeah, that's what I mean. The, the snatched at, the wasted, the wasteful finishing. I know I'm being a bit more harsh here, but like the snatched at finishing, we saw, we, Ajax did this in the Champions League um, against Spurs. We saw um, in the semi... And we saw Red Bull Salzburg do it. Like there were, there were, there were chances that players of that quality 
finish. Like it's calm. It's nothing. Yeah, but I think with the, in with with the opposition like Red Bull Salzburg and Villarreal, I, I think they almost have too much too many chances. They almost have more chances than they expect to have against Bayern, and they're just like, holy shit, these are coming way easier than we thought we'd have them, and they get a little bit complacent. Like you think if you were, if you were locked in completely, mm. like for example, if those chances if it's nil nil for the game, and they really really for the say it's nil nil for seventy minutes, um, in Villarreal, and Villarreal have like really really contained Bayern, mm. you know, much like Atleti did against Manchester City, for example. Right. If Atleti had actually ha- managed a shot or to fashion one chance, they probably would have been a little bit more locked in because it's kind of like okay. This is the, this is essentially the condition that we have created here tactically. Do you know what I mean? So with with Villarreal, I think when they take the lead so early, and chances are coming left, right, and centre, Neuer's like on a journey, like a proper journey. Bizarre. Like some of that, some of that, some of that positioning was strange. So weird. Um, you can always tell when Neuer's on one because he's he like for example the ball goes in and he palms it out for Cochrane's goal as if to hoping that no one will notice. And then when the Moreno one where he's come miles out and scuffed that pass, yeah. He just grabs the ball really quickly and does the throw spin on the floor thing that he does all the time. As if to be like, nothing to see here. Yeah, right, Let's right. Let's carry on going. But I, I genuinely think almost it, the game comes a little bit too easy to those opposition or easier than they expected. And therefore they kind of, it, it, that actually throws them off Right, because they're like, they're bio, uh, buying a more wasteful than they're expecting. Yeah, the it's not, it's not complacency, but it's almost kind of like, I don't know. It's like going to a party and there being more ice cream than you thought as a kid. So you just, you just go you for it. You think there'll just, just be like, plenty. Instead of waiting, you're just like, fuck it, I'll have a bit now, I'll have a bit later. And then I'm, you know, why am I on the bouncy castle? Because I'm going to throw up. This is why I just, I just want that old school ruthlessness, you know, this should have been 2-0. This should have been 2-3. Um, and then that's a different story. I mean, there's, yeah. So that, that's my frustration with it because I just felt like this was, I saw the result, then I rewatched it, and I was like, "How can there be a, how can you have a disappointing one to one over Bayern Munich?" And I think they've yeah. achieved it just because they were just that much better. They were they were outstanding, and there were questions as well for Emery about how he could really handle the Champions League. Like we knew the Europa League was his, it was like he owns the Europa League. <laughs> He's won more Europa Leagues than most clubs have. Um, but this was really the question for him, and he's answered it. He's absolutely mm. answered it. Whatever happens in this tie. A quick shout for Giovanni Lo Celso, by the way, who was brilliant, extremely good. Yeah, this yeah. game. Yeah, I, I still think Bayern will come through this very easy in the second leg. I think Villarreal are better equipped to withstand. Yeah, I hope they, they don't. I hope, yeah, I hope, yeah. I hope it's at least if Villarreal are going to lose, then I, I hope they take it to extra time. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, give me all of the vitamins. Part of me hopes they come out as disrespectful as they were. In, in a good way, in this game. I, part of me hopes they come out with the same kind of energy. No, we need their disrespect to be more efficient. That's right. That's what we Absolutely. need in the second yeah. leg. Efficient disrespect, yes. Exactly. I like that. All right, let's take a break. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. 
Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Something really controversial happened on Wednesday night. Um, there was a tweet posted online. Yeah. Musa Kwonga. <laughs> <laughs> who said, Manchester City, Atletico Madrid was a better first half of football than Chelsea Real Madrid with a little handshake emoji. Quote from Ryan Hun, which is just the, the picture of Celine Dion on the phone. Like she's calling the authorities. To which a couple of people bit. Yeah, yeah, people, people bit, people bit. But can I just say that I followed up that tweet saying, this is me telephoning Arkwanga to say I agree, by the way, so jokes are all of you lot. <laughs> well, I, to be honest with you, I, if I'm honest with you, I throw that I loved that, but I also threw out that tweet because I'm like, it's so obviously, look, all respect to Manchester City and Atlético Madrid, but I'm not rewatching that game. I'm not rewatching the first half of it in particular. And so like, it was, for me, it was like, I was absolutely fishing for like. Yeah, but I think you touched on a point because I think from a, so a better first half of football, right? So what you saw in the first half at the Etihad was two completely opposing football ideologies, both carried out, not quite to perfection, I'd say one more so than the other, but what you had in the Chelsea-Real Madrid game was that you had a better first half of entertainment. Ha, yeah, that's also true. That's also true. I mean, I was just fishing, two, but you're absolutely the, right. You're right. Two, no, no, no. I was like, no, no, no. He's right, actually. From, from, a, from an actual football point of view, in terms of execution, the, nu- the nuts and bolts and the X and O's. Yes. The first half of Manchester City Atletico Madrid, it was so fascinating because the only disappointing thing I thought was that it was too polite. I think I said to you, it was like slowly dripping water on a Gore-Tex jacket Yeah, for 45 minutes. Everything was doing exactly what it should do. Exactly. The drip was falling. It was doing its job. The water Gore-Tex was holding steady. It. The Gore-Tex was doing its job repelling the water and but watching that for 45 minutes technologically wise it's very intriguing very, it's, like, you know. it's like a calm like a calming nature video but you know the Chelsea Real Madrid game by comparison do you know what I saw the other night I watched that movie Life have you seen that no 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 not yet uh, it's, it's not a great sci-fi movie I mean it's, it's got Jake Gyllenhaal Ryan Reynolds a few other famous people in it but it's about a crew of astronauts on the International Space Station and they collect a um what's the word, like a, a little spaceship who's, that's come back from Mars with, with soil samples. They test the soil. They find an organism oh God. that is dormant and they create the conditions to essentially bring it to life. Uh, anyway, it, it obviously doesn't go particularly well. No, of course. <laughs> okay, yes, because, what are they yeah, yeah. But uh, this, that, that's what the first half of Real, uh, Chelsea Real Madrid was. It's like dropping water on the Gore-Tex jacket and then it all of a sudden morphing into this like terrifying life form and chasing you around the flat. It's just like, no, no, it's just supposed to repel water. It's not supposed to do that. You said this. Those are actually the most fun nights. You said this. Like, yeah. Football Twitter is the most fun because everything was happening. Yeah, everything's happening. It was and then, yeah, yeah. It's like in the background, you've got, you know, uh, Burnley Everton going on as well, which is... A carnage going, going we'll off yeah going off yeah yeah, yeah. But anyway yes Atleti played a 5-5 for most of this first half and it was kind of the perfect system to play against that Man City side didn't Kevin De Bruyne City, say there's no strikers didn't he say that they had no like no strikers 
You could talk. I said, yeah, exactly. Man You're Man City. Exactly. What are you whinging about? <laughs> Spider-Man meme, exactly, pointing each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it divided opinion, let's say. It divided opinion. What I'll say about this is the Atleti Manchester, well, Manchester Atleti, unfortunately, Atleti got exactly what they uh, could have expected. Continual onslaught from Manchester City. City again, starting without a striker, a central striker. And, you know, I've said this before, like, I don't, on a footballing level, I don't particularly want it to cost them, but I've always said that it might well cost them. And I, I, it's inarguable to me that that's a problem. Like, you, Hey, put it this way, with some of the crosses that they were firing in in that first half, which seemed to be the only real thing they could, the only real way they could get in behind Atleti. You had Kareem Benzema playing up front for Man City. Exactly. Three and a half look, time. until, look, I will always, always, always believe that because Pep is a company man, in a good way, he put a brave face on the lack of a striker this year. And he just played, he's adjusted the pack. I, I honestly believe that, I don't believe for a second he is delighted with the fact they don't have a Benzema level striker there. I don't, I don't Dude, believe you that. you don't go after but, Cristiano Ronaldo and Harry Kane. And, who, Elling, and Elling Haaland, yeah, you don't do that. And Pep is such a good coach that he's made this team score that number of goals. I don't think another team, with the exception of a couple of coaches in the world, I don't think there's really another manager that look like can, can get as many goals out of this City team that he's got out of them. And when the goal arrived eventually, it was bringing on Foden um, and Foden combining beauty with De Bruyne and De Bruyne making a classic centre-forwards run. Um, mm. It's a gorgeous finish. But the thing with Atleti was it's really, where were the ideas? You know, Joao Felix was... We saw him in the opening few, sec- few minutes of the second half, I thought. We did. We saw him. He's always, I mean, he's... There's a player that like feeds off very little and there's always going to be that question of why can't they just get him more of the ball? But fundamentally, uh, I think Miguel Delaney made a very good point. He said, I don't think that Aleti have quite the speed on the break to play the system, right, with the counter. And this is why Carrasco was a huge absence. It's so unlucky they had a Carrasco missing because he is someone who makes that system absolutely fly, I think. Mm. I think if he's playing, it's a different story. Um, But Aleti kind of entered this game inhibited from the beginning. So, Mm. yeah, so that's... One nil city. They should they should close this out. They have the quality to close this out in the second leg. Um, and if I did bet money, which I don't, um, I'd consider them. They, they should go through with like another kind of one or two nil in the second leg. But one know, city, yeah, they they should they should at this point. But we'll see. The funny thing about this game for me was there were a load of people just being like, "This is awful. This is awful." Like, what are Atleti? How disappointing are Atleti? Atleti got exactly what they wanted from this game. The primary objective was 0-0. Yeah. And if they couldn't score, the secondary objective was 1-0. And I don't think Simeone actually will be hugely disappointed with this at all because what we saw in the early stages of the second half from Atleti was a glimpse of how they will probably play at home. Put it this way, they will absolutely have a shot at the Wonder. And it wouldn't surprise me if they score at the Wonder. You know, one of those breaks that they made, and when they did break early in that second half, they did. They had made two in like two or three minutes. Mm. Uh, Marcus Lorente had one where he really tamely just put it into Edison's arms. I expected slightly more from him in this game, just because he was playing more central. Yeah, would that have like, not gone down as a shot? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> not sure. I, I, they, they did have an XG on that. 
Oh, right, okay. Cause, yeah, because they didn't have zero XG. I think it was from that Lorente effort. I, I like it when he plays inside. I think that's better. But then he gave less. Weirdly enough, he gave more from a wider area in the previous round than he did mm. this time. So I was slightly disappointed by that just because he gives him so much thrust. I just feel like with Atleti, I just... Why do they insist on feeding off scraps? Like, why do they, why do they truly... I mean, I know, I know Simeone has his style of play, but it does frustrate me. They don't... And this, I think maybe I'm a bit sort of jaded from having seen Christian Eriksen for Brentford and what he does. If you're going to play that deep, then have someone that's launching more of an outlet pass. You look at that midfield three, who is launching the outlet ball there? Mm. Like, who's doing that, right? Like who is hitting, who is hitting that ball? You've got a midfield, you've got five across the middle and you don't have one player across the middle who is playing that diagonal that like breaks the lines. That to me is my frustration with Atleti because it's one it's one attribute extra that changes the entire configuration of what you're doing. That's my one, that's my one sort of issue with it, I guess. Yeah. And I, I know that like Thomas Lamar was supposed to do that, play that role and it hasn't worked for various reasons, but yeah, it was just a bit, bit frustrating. That's all. Like you say, I think they do have the talent there to hurt teams and we saw, we've seen it before. They have the options to change it slightly in the second leg. If you think though, the difference in this was a moment of brilliance from Foden and a yeah. sl- and one slight turn off, like a lapse in defending, yeah. or lapse in concentration defending. Because it was something that re- they, they dealt with all game, really. Yeah, they had, they had. Like, I'm not saying for, for, like, for one second that Manchester City didn't deserve to win this game, but it's been a while since I think we've seen at the very, very top level of a competition such opposing yeah philosophies yeah philosophies going head to head and I find that quite interesting yeah absolutely yeah yeah and I know that I think I I actually do think because of Atleti's growth over the last decade or so I do think they get a little bit of an easier ride than oh definitely definitely yeah they're almost so cartoon villainy that it can oh, be oh, I think I it's a little get bit, away with a lot more than they get a lot teams. more oh, yeah. get away oh with so a lot much more yeah for sure oh goodness, I mean goodness. for sure like if I was an Atleti fan they would drive me mad I don't really have any you know horse in the race I'm just like this is funny yeah I this can is, just enjoy is, it. attachment just, yeah. just look at how pissed off everyone's getting <laughs> this is so <laughs> funny speaking of pissed off Jack Grealish came on and became the most foul player in such a short space of time in a Champions League game. That was yeah. really personal. Something must have happened there. I don't think it did. Do you know what I think it was? I think it might have been, you know when um, Correa kicks the ball and it ricochets off his leg and hits him in mm. the face? Yeah. And it all kicks off. No, but why did they go for Grealish? I think there's a particular, do you know, you know what it is? Maybe it's, they just, maybe they just saw the Gucci deal. And do you know, like, you know it's, I, I, I don't think it's far off. Do you know why? Like there's a bit at the end. Do you think it's the Gucci thing? Someone plays with his hair. There's a bit where someone literally plays with Grealish's hair, like mockingly, like touches his hair. Like what's this? There's oh, literally a moment. It's like, uh, it's like this fancy, like, you know, cosmetic player. Look at that. And Vesalico has been after that for a while. Vesalico is the same person that said, was it 2018? And he's like, oh, Evan told about the great England team. And then we pressed them and they had nothing. So he's been on that for a while. He's been on that for four Holy years. Shit, yeah. He's been on that for four years. Um, but in terms of, yeah, the Grealish thing, like they, they kicked him like it was personal. I suppose for him, when you get targeted like that, it's a kind of, it's a grim kind of compliment because he is a dangerous player actually. And when he operates at his peak, City, I think, do go to a different level. I think there was a challenge for him over integrating him into that team and he's in and out of the team. But we've seen this before with Pep, when Pep brings in expensive players, it's very rarely that they immediately come straight in and fire. Like they, he, he likes to ease them in over the course of a few months. So mm. I don't sort of fear for Greedish in the long term. 
but interesting to see what his role is going to be in the next game and beyond that if they go through. So let's see. Yeah. Let's move on to Benfica, Liverpool. Liverpool just, they were a little bit sloppy and that's what led to the Benfica goal. Darwin Nunes probably should have had a couple more. Yes. Or at least, yeah. at least tested Alisson a little bit more. But also there was a really funny thing in this game where, you know, we were talking about Lewandowski and Benzema's maturity. Yes. There was a, you could tell that Darwin Nunez is a, is a young player because there were a couple <laughs> of times when he took dreadful options instead of laying it off to someone else. And then when someone else took a dreadful option and didn't lay it off to him, he was just like, Hey, what are you doing? I'm right here. And I was just like, bro, you're just like, you're just he's on the same. He's on my short list of centre forwards who occupy the entire defence, actually. He's on my short list. I'm so getting that Letty vibe from him. Yeah, right. Oh, God, oh, he's peak at Letty. Oh I mean, my I know God. that's a little bit easy because Jao Felix made that, that move. But. No, 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 but it's his style of play. It's not even the Jao Felix thing because Jao Felix was a less obvious match. Darwin Nunez is an absolutely Atleti match. Trent Alexander-Arnold. Oh, uh, some of that the, passing. The, the, the second pass for... The Luis Diaz knocked down for the, for the Mane goal, Sede Mane goal. No, but there was another one that... Uh, it wasn't the Diaz goal. There was another chance that he hit one down the right-hand side. They created a chance from it, but I don't, it wasn't a goal, I don't think. Some of the passing that he made in that game was amazing. Liverpool were just pretty comfortable, I thought. Even when they got a little bit sloppy and they let Benfica back in the game, they never really felt like they were on like under the cosh or anything. No, they just it's that it's, it's the old cliche, but they had the extra. You knew they had more goals in them. Mm. You knew they had more goals in them. And like just watching Sadio Mane and, and, and Mo Salah up front is so businesslike at this point. Mm. And we talk about muscle memory for Real Madrid, but Liverpool aren't far behind. Liverpool, it's easy to forget how dominant they've been in this tournament since about 2018 they've just been a constant factor like if Liverpool had gone to the final in all of the last four Champions Leagues that would not have been a wild you know that's not a wild outcome so yeah uh, really really strong outcome for them uh, Luis Diaz uh, scoring the third and final goal against old rivals Benfica and they hated that did you see that guy um, who threw what looked like a it looked like a, a wand it's like a sort of stick. stick. Just, but he was right there front row. I was like, it's the awful, goal to do awful, that. Awful. awful. But this is the thing about throwing stuff. Like, I wonder what, if this is anecdotal. People have always thrown stuff at players, right? But it just, I don't know if it's more, we're noticing it more because of like social media and the pictures are coming out. It really worries me that people are uninhibited like that. Mm. Like it really, because that, that could hit yeah. someone, that, any object being thrown can hit you in the eye and that changes your career. Any object that is, this is what gets me a little bit about it, like whether it's a stick or a light or whatever. It's like, how are people so disinhibited that actually physically throwing stuff at a player? That's like, that's always going to be a bit alien to me, to be honest. I just don't yeah, get it. I just it. don't get it. Don't get it. I just do not get it at all. I think Liverpool will cruise through that second leg, to be honest. That sounds quite disrespectful to Benfica, but I just, I can't see Liverpool not progressing through the tie at home. At this point, they should they should close out. The third goal, I think, was absolutely essential. 2-1 maybe, absolutely. but the, the, yeah, third, yeah. the third goal, yeah, that was yeah. the one. Yeah. Quickly, a couple of things in the Premier League before we move on. So obviously Burnley beat Everton 3-2 in a massive game in the Premier League. This is a disastrous result for Everton. They are in serious trouble at this point. Lampard's lost 8 of the is it 8 of 12. I looked at the run-in. We both looked at the run-in last yeah. night. Ryan, it's brutal. Leicester twice, Liverpool... Um, they've got Arsenal, they've got Crystal Palace. They're not playing teams that are going to be safe. They're playing teams that need something, whether it's European qualification or avoiding the drop or whatever. They're playing against teams that are like 
In fact, no, they're not playing any teams that are struggling like them. That's their last big game against a relegation rival. They're now playing teams who need the points. They're in so much trouble, Ryan, honestly. And I didn't clock the nature of trouble they were in until I really started paying attention to the selections. And I'm like, hang on. Stephen Warnock got a lot of criticism for the selection of, he was like, Deli Ali, why was Deli Ali signed? But you look at the Mason Holgate selection in midfield, and I'm just thinking, what is going on over there? Like, it's, it's rare to get that critical on a manager's selections because they don't see what we see. In tra- they, they see in things in training that we don't. I look at that group of players and I know that Everton have got defensive problems. No question. Of course they do. Ryan, Everton have a quality of player. They should not be in this situation. And I've seen some talk about, oh, like you signed players who can't play in a relegation scrap. You signed Deli Ali and Donny van der Beek. I disagree with that too, because Christian Eriksen is not, in quotes, a relegation scrapper, right? But his playmaking has played Brentford and is playing Brentford out of trouble, right? So this whole thing about not being a relegation scrapper, I don't agree with it. I think actually the challenge in these games is you need firepower and you need people to play with freedom. They have ball players in that squad, but Frank Lampard, himself an elite midfielder, doesn't seem able to generate or galvanise that playmaking. That is a damning indictment of what he's doing there. Yeah, I think we've we've talked about this uh, kind of a little bit on Writers House the other day as well about how, like with Vieira, a lot mm. of that generation who are coming through at Palace now would have seen, you know, grown up watching Vieira dominate mm. the Premier League. And it's similar with that, a lot of that Everton squad. They would have mm. grown up watching Lampard dominate the Premier League. That gives managers an advantage. Now, I, I think we've all known for a while that Lampard isn't the most tactically astute manager around. Lampard seemingly isn't using the strength of his name and presence to give them something different. So, and this is something that's been a bit of a trait whenever they've, he's had bad results anywhere. Like, as soon as things don't go super well, it's like, well, that's one for the players to Can I be harsh? Can I be harsh about this as well? If you're not tactically astute, you have to lean into the man management. You have to. Zinedine Zidane, prime example. I don't think he's the most tactically astute manager around. No. Probably one of the coldest takes we've ever come out he with. Said, he said that himself. Yeah. Zidane has said that literally himself. But it's Zinedine Zidane. He will nutmeg you and put it in the top corner in training still. You better respect him. You have to make them respect you as a manager. And if you've already got the advantage of being someone like Frank Lampard, which was the prime reason why Dele Alli went there, you've already burned all of that goodwill based on your name, then something massive is going on. This is, and this, you, this is well said. Look, I will have to say this, right? So let's say Lampard tactically is not at the level of the others. That, that, we know that, that's known. That's not, sort of, that's not contested. What he could do, there's so many different things Lampard could have said. Lampard could have gone into Everton and been like, great club, great institution, great results over the years, obviously on hard times, but we look at the quality in the squad. We see so much quality. Um, and my job is to bring that out to the players. Every game, every defeat, they come out, let's say they lose three to Burton last night and say, you know, that's on me. These are outstanding players. You have to get the best out of them. There were some positive signs. Richarlison, great confidence in front of goal. We saw some nice movement from him and Calvert-Lewin. Um, Holgate's in a tough role. You know, it's difficult for him to adapt to that, but I really like what he's shown me. Um, and in the running, we're going to like pull it together. Like that, like that kind of chat. And I'm not even like in football, but that's what I would sort of say. But to come out and talk about when your team has been defeated, we saw against Crystal Palace, oh, the players don't, you know, they, they don't have, you know, 
bottle or bollocks or whatever. I'm like, really? Like you're humili- these people idolized you and you're humiliating them. They're already in a bad place. Like any level of football, right? Any group project you've ever worked on, for those who don't play football business podcast, any group project, if people have messed up on a group project, right? If you're a team lead on any project in the office, whatever, your corporate job, whatever, whatever you work, your civil service, whatever, and people screw up and mm-hmm. they're diligent, they know they've screwed up. You don't need to hammer them, right? They get it. That's just, that's just management 101. And the fact that he fails at that, this is what makes me slightly um, annoyed or even angry, right? They know they're in trouble. I don't know a single situation where a group of anxious professionals have ever been galvanized by publicly and brutally hauling them over the coals. That has never worked. I've never seen that work. That works with a certain type of individual. And someone said to me like, oh, like the Lampard thing, what's that about? I said, you know what? Here's the thing. This is going to sound harsh, right? Frank Lampard is always going to have a job in football. He is always going to have a job in football. Even when he was struggling to get his name out there, when he was at West Ham, he was at Chelsea. He was, he was always going to have a job somewhere, even if it was like a bit further down the leagues. Frank Lampard was always going to have a job in football. And the reason I say this, and it sounds harsh, is like, you are on very, very thin ice if you're questioning the professionalism and the courage of players who fought so hard to be there, right? There are players on that pitch last night who love Everton and they're in despair and they go home and they're like, we're in a terrible place because Everton's, you know, it's a close-knit club. It's a community. There are people that they don't want to fail Everton. So why are you going on TV and telling people like they can't, you're implying they want to fail Everton? Mm-hmm. That, I know I'm going on a bit about this, but this is really important to me because we've said, we've seen with Barcelona, right? Barcelona rebuilt, not just because of the football they played, but first and foremost, they restored identity. Like if Javi wasn't a really, really astute tactical mind, He'd still Javi that's and my he'd point. lean into it. That's my point. You're totally right. But he wouldn't be coming out after a game being like, I'm just wondering whether Gavi and Pedri really have, really, are really cut out for this. And it's kind of like, sorry, what? To be honest, I don't really feel like we want, we should go into too much more on yeah. Everton yet because I do feel that we're going to have to go in on them again at some point because I think something is on the way. It's just such a waste. The thing that annoys me so much about clubs is when they, they make wasted appointments. Yes. And- like, for example, we, yeah. we said, I think, when he came in, we weren't massively sure about it at all from a tactical point of view, but also we did then say the positives of that, if they come out, are that this is Frank Lampard. We essentially said everything that he's not done. Yes. Lean into the Frank Lampard thing. Bring players through like Deli Ali, Donny van der Beek. You've got, you've got a, pr- a legendary Premier League midfielder there who's won the Champions League, who has won m- numerous, numerous, numerous trophies. Do you know what it's like? It's like when Steve Kerr sat down with Steph Curry on the bench. He tells that story about Jordan. You know, we're in the finals and Jordan's done. Michael said this. You see the KD or Steph and they are just like glued to him. Because he's been there and he knows. And he's just like, this dude has been there. Like Lampard could literally sit there and be like, that game against Bayern, we thought we didn't have a chance. You know, and he might be doing this. He might be, he might be doing it. But I just don't think he has that level of empathy. I don't think he's doing it. I don't think he's doing it. It's like the Phil Neville thing, when you kind of know you're going to be okay no matter what. Right. This is the thing. I, I, the one thing I would say is because we know that we've talked about Rafa Benitez and what he did wrong to an extent as well. But, but again, and a this wasted also, this hire. Is, this is an ownership thing too. We'll, 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 we'll get to Everton and the ownership stuff more. But I think on a tactical level, the reason we have to ex- talk about Lampard specifically here is just in terms of legacy, right? What's your legacy going to be? Because here's the thing, no matter how great a player you were, as time goes on, people's memories of those great goals and they fade and they have a, what, what they're left with is a general sense of 
not even just like the trophies lifted, but the way you did it, the way you conducted yourself. And just in terms of legacy, mm. it is a bad look for Lampard that when you're after this game and the first thing you're seeing is, oh, waiting for the post-match interview, because people are expecting him to say, it's my player's fault. They're mm. expecting that. That is a bad place to be in. Like you don't, and you know, as a manager, because when that, that quote that like Sean Dyche came out with, Sean Dyche saying, oh, like, you know, we were, losing time. Time. Yeah. we're losing to him on our half time. They're like, oh, look, I don't mean he's like, know how to win a game. Yeah, it was, yeah. <sighs> which is so. That's on, when, it, when people question yeah. the mentality of your team, that's, that's something they're looking at the coach for. Can I be a little bit hard? Well, no more harsh. We've already been. I think this comes out of frustration because again, it's yeah. just like. Because when, these were quick wins. These were easy. This was low hanging fruit for him. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't even need to win this game. Yeah. They didn't need to win the game, yet they went to a side who had scored before the game had scored 22 goals in 29 games and they let them stick three past them. Yeah. They didn't need to win the game. They were four points ahead of Burnley in a six-pointer. They needed a point. Yes, absolutely, yeah. That's all they needed. A point would have suited Everton far more than it would have suited Burnley because they would have then been four points behind Leeds with two games in hand. You know, I know it's a completely different level, but you saw how Simeone went to the Etihad. Yes. There was no reason why Everton couldn't have done something like that at Burnley. Right. Because they have the players like Richarlison that can torch a team on the break. And they were just too easy to get at. Yeah. That's the concern with Everton. We can talk about the tactics and not being advanced and all the rest of it. But also it is disappointing that player of Lampard's attacking vision can't do more in attack. We've seen teams ship goals before, but at least the front end should have some inventiveness about it. You've got Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin up front. Mm. Put it this way, if you gave Richarlison or Calvert-Lewin to any other team in a relegation scrap, they'd be like, oh, we're delighted. We're delighted with these. And that this is the concern for Everton. If they do, I hate to even countenance it, if Everton go down, they're not coming straight back up, right? Not getting out of the championship is is a nightmare. Very concerned for them. Very concerned. Anyway, yeah. I'm sure we'll have to touch on them again soon. Uh, we'll sure touch we on the Eric Ten Hag Man United stuff when more comes out about that because at the moment it's just rumours. Yes, yes. But uh, that's going to be interesting. Very, very. If it happens. But uh, anyway, shall we bounce? I think we should. Uh, we hope everyone's staying safe, staying well, obviously getting vaccinated if you can, get that boost if you can. Uh, don't forget to check Wright's house if you haven't listened to that already. Check the ringer.com and theringer.com forward slash soccer some stuff going up soon and check the Stadio Outros plays on Spotify speaking of which playing out on Hassan Idedia track called Ibini out on Dark Entries uh, anything you want to add me so on no all good nothing further are you sure I'm a bit quiet Absol- on the uh, Absol- take the take <laughs> no. maturity yeah right come <laughs> on <laughs> oh my <laughs> god right no, no, oh just- god sorry I'm just no we need to get out of it this is ridiculous I'm just what they, what they called before intelligent energy. I'm like Valverde. Wow. That's it. Yeah, I mean, what what is the opposite of intelligent energy? Much <laughs> um, love, everyone. Have a lovely weekend. We'll be back on Monday. See you then.
This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.